What can we think to clap for? Is there something we could clap for? How about the no mask thing? Don't y'all like that? Could we clap for that? <laughs> you know, my sense of humor. Some of you, Dwight, you know a little bit about my sense of humor. But I was thinking, you know, my guess is toothpaste with whitening is going to be really picking up here the next week or so. You're going to be buying more whitening. Breath mints, things, all the stuff that you could cover up before. Huh? Lipstick. I don't really think about that too much, Bill. Um, I'm just picking. I shouldn't have said that. But... Um, no, I, I would, let me back up. I do think about that. <laughs> when I see it on my wife, I think she's absolutely gorgeous, beautiful. So that's what you were meaning. All right, I got out of that, hopefully. <laughs> well, I'm glad y'all are at least alive and laughing a little bit. I mean, you know, you can't imagine what it's like to step up here and everybody's like, bless me if you can. <laughs> you know, let's just okay, let's see if you can do it. Bless me if you can. I bet you can't. You can't do it. So, well, I, I can't. I confess. But I know who can. I know who can. And if your focus is on him, you're going to be okay. So, let's turn. I'm going to actually, it's a topic kind of, but it's several verses that deal with a, a topic. So, turn to the last chapter of Philippians. The last chapter of Philippians. And from time to time when we read, we've already stood, but it probably would help your circulation to stand again. So why don't you stand again as we read this? It's a little bit longer passage instead of just a one-liner. Going to try to get into it and see if we can learn some truth here today. The Apostle Paul is writing, of course, here to the Philippian church, believers. And we're going to look at beginning in verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. I want you to pay attention to the wording and the structure and the way these sentences are put together. Uh, we're going to look at some Greek words, and I think it's going to be encouraging to you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at la the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Okay, do you all see that? Your, your care has flourished, and it wasn't that you didn't care before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. I have learned. In whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. 
Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So let's pray. Father, we ask you to show us all that you want us to know today from these scriptures. And we trust that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher, that he will make application where it needs to be in each heart, each life, each family. And Father, that you would show us Jesus, that we might fall more and more in love with him with each passing day. We love you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and paying that sacrifice, that sin debt that we owed you. And he took our place and paid our debt for us with his death and burial and resurrection. We trust you now to do a great work in our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. As I mentioned, there are several needs that we're aware of and maybe some needs that some of us are not aware of. And I, I became aware of something. This is not anybody that you know. Uh, but we do have acquaintances and people that we're getting to know uh, there in our area where we are. And so this man is um, our farrier. Do y'all, how many of you know what a farrier is? He, he pilots the ferry across the channel, right? All right, what is he? He's a horseshoer, but my sh horse doesn't have shoes, so he just does a trim job on her, okay? So he comes every six weeks, five or six weeks, and trims her hooves, and so we get to know each other. He's going to come to church with me one day, and I hope you all will enjoy him uh, and be nice to him, as you always are. But I just have to warn you, this man is a real cowboy. I mean, a lot of us, I wear boots all the time, and I dress like a cowboy, and I have a heart to be a cowboy, but um, this, this guy's a real cowboy. So when he comes to church, you're going to see a sight that most of you have not ever seen up close. He has a mustache that hangs down to, it comes over and it hangs down, it's all gray. It comes over and it hangs down and it literally goes below his chin. This is his mustache hanging down. So when he's working on the hooves of the horse and the wind's blowing, his mustache is giving it that number. But he's a sweet brother in Christ. He loves the Lord. He and I have knelt under the shed. My barn has three sides. It's, it's like a horseshoe around the... So it's got eaves all the way around, 12-foot eaves all the way around the barn. So in the summer when it's hot, that's where he does the trim job. So we've knelt there and prayed together in the sand over issues and things that we're aware of. And he's just a sweet... Now, he's very... He's very charismatic, so I don't know 
uh, in our setting of how charismatic he will be, but uh, he is char very charismatic. He goes to the Pentecostal church there in Normandy. So I talked to him yesterday afternoon and um, uh, come to find out, and I don't want to drag this out because it could take a lot of time, but it, the long story short is found out he had been in the hospital. I didn't know he'd been in the hospital. And uh, asked him what was happening, and, and I don't want to get too detailed, but I'll just say it this way and some of you can figure it out. Um, he had a lot of tests run. He was in the hospital about a week. He had a lot of tests run, and he had three units of blood he had to receive. So they couldn't get his blood count up. They ran all kind of tests, uh, did biopsies. Uh, they did everything, they could, and they sent him home with no diagnosis. They could not find anything. And he's, over the last six months, has lost 50 pounds. So this is a self-employed, single man. I hate to guess his age. I really don't know, but he's, he's gray, gray completely. Small frame man. Didn't have 50 pounds to lose. But, so he can't even work right now. He, he can't do his chores that he's supposed to do. He's self-employed, so he can't go do the things he needs to do. He has no benefits. He has no paid vacation. He has no sick time. I mean, think about it. That He's in a rent house. He just recently moved. Um, so my heart was, I had prayer with him over the phone yesterday afternoon. I'm on my golf car, cows mooing all around. They're all surrounding us. And, and I was having prayer with him on, on my phone. And so my heart has gone out to him, and, and, and we love the guy. He's just a sweet brother in Christ. We really, really like him a lot. So that's just one example of the many needs. Um, I'm going to be talking about today giving our attitude. I don't really have a title, guys. I wish I did. I told my wife I need some little snappy title, and she said, it's more blessed to give than receive. I said, well, that one's been used before. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know how snappy that one would be, but uh, anyway, that might be a title if y'all are looking and straining for something, but uh, it is about giving and receiving and our attitude about receiving and when we're doing without, and, and, uh, and so you'll see that in the, in the text here, but just to preface a little bit, this is, this is about being more than generous out of our comfort zone in a way. And uh, so here's an individual. I heard this. I heard it first from the receiver. And then I heard it later from the giver. No names. But the receiver said, what a blessing. What a blessing. And timely. And the giver shared this with me said they prayed, God prompted, and led them. Get this, and a lot of you are going to say, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Prayed about it, God led them to put cash in a letter, and they mailed cash through the mail system, Dale. And it arrived. And they didn't have to go to the bank, and they had it right there on the spot when they opened it up, and they had a need then. Now, I'm not 
recommending sending cash in the mail. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying this is how this, these folks were led. And I'm going to tell you, many times when God is leading us to do something spiritual, it's not probably going to make a whole lot of sense in the world system. It's probably not going to add up a whole lot. So, let's dig into this and see if we can uh, learn something. Verse 10, just going to go kind of go verse by verse, if you will. Verse 10, this is a, an expression from the Apostle Paul that he's, he's expressing his gratitude. Uh, he's expressing his gratitude to the Philippians for their kind expressions of love and their generous gift giving that they had given him. Uh, it's a powerful example of uh, the, this text here that we've just read. It's a powerful example of um, Christians uh, being content regardless of whatever their circumstances, no matter where they are uh, in, in life. So, but, but, the, but verse 10, just remember to always express gratitude to God the Father for whatever it is that you have. You may think, I don't have enough. I have too little. I'm, I'm not really making it. But it's a heart, an attitude of gratefulness to the Father, no matter what condition you find yourself in. Okay, does that make sense? You need to, rejoicing, being grateful, being thankful is very, very key and very important. Just had a, a little medical emergency here. Their men are taking care of it. Let's just pray. Let's just pray right now. Um, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we do pray for Glenn that you would just help him. Lord, in this time of uh, a medical emergency for him, and I pray that you'd help the men and the folks that are going to be tending him uh, to have wisdom, to be able to know exactly what to, to do for him. And uh, I, I pray that, Father, that uh, he would uh, be able to recover quickly and uh, without any uh, lasting uh, bad effects. So we trust you with him and uh, even the, those that are tending, even as I speak in Jesus' name. Amen. So you never know, do you, your condition? Uh, so, but but the verse 10 is about being gra grateful. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Just a, just a genuine expression of gratefulness. It had been, and I'm, I'm not your scholars, okay? Y'all know that. I know I don't have to remind you that I'm not your Greek scholars and your, and your, and your scholars. But from those scholars that I have read, the indication that I gained from others is that the gift was spaced out about 10 years. <laughs> so if you think about it, from the first gift to the second gift, a time of about 10 years. And, and that's, real, that's remarkable. And so the Apostle Paul is writing about this gift, this first giving, and, and he explains something. But it's been about 10 years since the Philippians first gave 
their gift to the Apostle Paul to help meet his needs um, in Thessalonica. And so, um, and he was aware, he was aware that they had a desire to help. He was aware they wanted to help, but they lacked opportunity. They, the, they didn't have the resources. They, they, it was in their heart to help. They had a desire to help. They wanted to help. They just didn't have the resources. You see that in, in verse 10. But you lacked opportunity. And see, there, there may be a time in some of your lives that you have a real heart to help others and you wish you could and you want to and the Lord knows you want to, but you can't because you lack opportunity. Now, in verse 11, look at what he, what he writes. Now that I, not, not that I speak in respect of want... He's not saying, I've got this great want, this need. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul was not describing himself as a, a person in poverty. A person in, that he's needy. Although you see in the writing, the way he wrote, I've learned how to be a base, that's do without, not have much, and I've learned how to abound. But he said, I've learned, I've learned. And that is a word you, if y'all like to study your Bibles, if y'all like to research and, and look up words and things, you need to look up that word learned. This doesn't come, this idea it's not a behavior that you and I are born with. It doesn't come naturally with the old man, the old nature. As a believer, we learn some things about the Lord and about His ways of working and about ourselves. So he had to learn how to be content. He had to learn how to be content when he didn't have very much at all, not enough on his plate, and then he, he had to learn that, contentment. But he didn't see himself as a beggar. He didn't see himself as a needy person or dependent. Now, this is so important, and especially for preachers, missionaries. You don't want to come across to the congregation and to people that you're dependent on them. Please understand, he's not, he's not saying, I'm I, he is dependent on the Lord. And he knows the difference between the giver, the one who's giving, and the source of the giving. And once you get that straight in your heart and your life, then that's going to help clarify a whole lot of things about this whole idea of doing without or having much or whatever. But he didn't see himself as dependent on them. He had the Lord. 
He was learning to trust in the Lord. He was in the process of being trained by the Lord to be this missionary that would walk with God, do missionary work, and have to learn along the way how to get along with little and how to deal with when he had prosperity. It wasn't, it wasn't all prosperity. It wasn't all. And I, I, love, I love the American dream. I love the idea that parents for ages have said, and you've probably heard it, I want my kids to have it better than I've had it. We did without. And I don't want my kids to have to do without. That's not scriptural thinking. That's not biblical thinking. Because the Apostle Paul laid it out. There's going to be time of being abased, time of abounding. And it's healthy for both. That's healthy. There's nothing wrong with beans and rice forever, you think. There's nothing wrong with that. Listen, Linda and I, y'all probably don't even believe some of this. Honestly, our first pastorates, I mean, $100 a week. Literally, beans and rice. We learned how to live and, and make stuff that would last forever. And we as Americans throw out, you've heard it, oh, those poor people over, you know, the missionaries. We pour out in our trash can. But we do. We waste so much. But it's important to understand that it's healthy. It's nothing wrong with abasing. Not having, and learning to be content. Now, the word, the Greek word, and I heard Pastor Joe, I love to hear you guys pronounce these words. There's no sense me trying. I've tried for all these years. There's no reason. The Greek word is A-U-T-A-R-K-E-S, okay? And some of you can just spit it out, and that's fine. I have a hard time with English words. But it's learning to be content. I looked it up in W. Vine and also John MacArthur. W. Vine said this, and they, and they went hand in hand, John MacArthur and W. Vine. But, but you've got to get the, the sense of it and the tense of it. It's not a wrong way. But his writing here, what he said, I've learned to be content. He, he has learned to be self-sufficient. Now, that self-sufficiency is not in a bad sense. It's not self-sufficient in the idea that I'm proud, I do for myself, I pick myself up by the bootstraps, I'm my own man, you know, that, I mean, get a grip, that kind of thing. It's not, it's, it's self-sufficiency. You know where the provision comes from. So you are independent of the world's system. You've learned to be content, self-sufficient. Adequate is another word that was described. Needing of no assistance, W.E. Vine writes. Needing no assistance. You, you don't go through life feeling like you've got to constantly have your hand out. 
And, and I'm going to tell you, as a pastor for all these years, I have to tell you, Christians have to be careful. They go to places and they expect and ask for discounts. And nothing wrong with getting a good deal. Nothing wrong with being a good steward. But don't come across as needing all this extra help. It's okay to tip more than the percentage that you tip. It's okay to give somebody something extra over and above. It's okay to give something to your kids if you just want to bless them. And so the idea of contentment is, is self-sufficient, but you know the source. It's not an independent, wrong, prideful, not an arrogant. And John MacArthur said, indicates independence from any need or help. In other words, we used to say this here back in that other building. Every time you get up to preach the Word of God, you preach with your suitcase beside the pulpit. Because you just can't come across. If you become dependent on the congregation, then you're missing the source. And you know what happens? This happens in politics. It happens. But if you become dependent, then you are going to have show favoritism to those bigger givers, possibly. It's our, na it's our nature. We can't help ourselves sometimes. You know, if you know somebody's a big giver, you're going to like, well, let's go have lunch. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's have them over. You see what I'm saying? So it's, a, it's an independent, not in a wrong sense, not in a prideful sense, not in a bad sense, but it's independent. You don't have this perception that you're walking around with your hand out and always looking for a blessing from others. You see? And, and that happens in church a lot. I mean, early on, I learned that preachers were the best at fumbling for their wallets because they expect others to pay their way. And, and we have just, and I'm thankful for the church and the provisions that have been made, allowing, allowing that not to happen. And that's a blessing. That's an encouragement. To be able to bless others rather than you always feel like you've got, you know, well, I'm the pastor, you've got to bless me. I'm the pastor, you've got to pay my, my meal. That's, that, I'm so thankful for this church and Doug Meyer was a big part of seeing that change take place in our church. So that's the idea. It's not this independent, you know, with your hand out, you're constantly wanting a, a deal. Nothing wrong with being a good steward. Don't misunderstand. Don't let that ruin it for you. But it, the whole attitude is my provisions are being met by the Lord. If you want to be a part of it, Praise God. Right? If you want to be a part of that, praise God. So that was his attitude. He was grateful for the gift, but it had been 10 years between gifts. He says, I know how to be abased, 
And that means that word abase is to make low or to bring low. I know how. To, and folks, if you've, ever been a, if you've been abased, you know what that's like. To be made low. When you look in the pantry and there's nothing there but red beans and rice. I never will forget, I twisted my ankle playing church softball. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I was, I was an invalid for a while. And a Christian couple came to my house, our house, and brought a sack of groceries. I never will forget the longest tube of toilet paper I'd ever seen in my life. And as he walked up, walking up my sidewalk, and I'm peering out from my chair because I can't get up and walk. I'm looking out, and here's this sack, and I, I was made low. I was made low. And then I was even made lower when the deacon took away my crutches. He said, I want my crutches back. I went lower. So, but understand how to be abased, be made low, uh, to be Brought to an humble condition. You see, God, through all the different things that we face in life, all these different challenges, health, all of them, God is orchestrating and working to humble us and to shatter our independence and pride. So the Apostle Paul said, I've learned how to get along with humble means. He had learned how to live with the basics, with food and clothing. With this I shall be content. His daily necessities. Look, when that's all you have, and you're very content, and you're not, you know, a moody dude, and you're not down in the mouth, as they say, but you're, you're just as up, Today, as you've ever been, because you know the source, you know the provider, and yeah, you don't have anything in your pantry, but that's okay. And then the Apostle Paul said, I know how to abound. I know how to abound. This is prosperity. It's more than required. It's the extras. So he's learned how to be full and to be hungry. How to be full and I'm going to tell you, I think being full and prosperity probably takes a little more spirituality than being humble. Because some people just don't know how to handle it when God really overblesses them. This idea of verse 12, I know both how to be abased and how to abound. That Greek word is the, the idea that is used when you're used to fatten an animal for slaughter. You take, you take a steer, put him in a pen, you feed him for 90 days or however many days. And that's the, that's the that Greek word, that's what that's referring to. I know how to be full. I know, I've, I, I know how to go hungry. And I know how to be full. But in the midst of all of it, being hungry and being full, Paul was content. When he had plenty to eat and when he didn't have enough to eat. When he was deprived. You know what? I'm, I'm suspicious if America 
the church in America really understands really being hungry. You know, I've heard, you know, you hear it all the time. Oh, I'm hungry. Well, when did you eat? Well, 10. Well, what did you eat? Scrambled eggs, bacon, you know, turkey bacon, of course. Um, biscuits, gravy. But it's just 1.30. You're hungry again? I don't think we really understand in America what really being hungry is. But he knew the source. He knew, he knew where his provision was coming from. So being abased and abound, abounding kept him on his knees. That's a good thing. Kept him humble. That's a good thing. Kept him dependent on the Lord. That's a great thing. It gave him courage. You see, this is one thing. I've preached on these verses before, you can imagine. But I don't know that I've ever thought of it like this, abasing and abounding. That says, be encouraged because there's going to be a better day. And I'm thinking about, and I'm not going to name names. I, I, I don't want to name names. But I'm thinking about some people going through some most difficult times of their lives. The hardest time of their life they've ever been through, ever, in their whole life. I see, I thought of you when I read this verse this week. And as the as Lord was preparing the, the message. Abasing and abounding. You can take heart because there are better days ahead. And you say, I don't know about that. What if I die? Well, now, wait a minute. If you die, that's a better day. <laughs> if you die, you're walking those streets of gold and you don't have to worry about taxes on May 17th. Is it May 17th or June Okay, I just read something today is May 17th, but now I, I've gotten two different conflicting reports. But anyways, ours is finally in, so thank you, Lord, for all of that. But there are better days ahead. Take courage. You ought to be encouraged. There are better days. Now, look at verse 13. How many of us have just pulled this verse out of, out of the air and quoted it and used it and referred to it often? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things. And how many times have I said that verse? In the past, when I preached on that verse, some of you that are here, if you've been here back long enough, it's been so long, but... <clears throat> If you've probably heard me focus on our calling, whatever God calls you to, if he calls you to be a doctor, if he calls you to be a doctor, he's going to make provision and you'll be a doctor one day. If he wants you to be a teacher, he's going to prepare you. I can do all things, whatever. It's not just what I think of that I want to do. It's whatever God calls me to do. And I'm telling you, you're looking at a perfect example of this is the last thing I really wanted was public speaking. That was not me, ever. Husband, wife, father, mother, whatever, I can do all things. And that is true. But I want you to see it 
from this perspective. You, really, it's important to take Scripture in context. What is the context of this passage? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It is sandwiched, all these verses I just read, it is sandwiched in, surrounded by verses about giving and receiving. So, it really goes with abounding and abasing. You say, this is the hardest time of my life. I'm really not doing well. This is the most challenging. Financially, I don't know how we're going to make it. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. This is not only selectively just about your calling in life. It's about enduring life. It's about making it when it seems to be impossible. It's about the challenges that are in our families, challenges in our nation, challenges in, in every area of our lives. But it's basically about abounding and abasing. I don't have much. I can do all things through Christ. You can survive this. So you ought to be encouraged today, believer. You may be saying, do the math. It doesn't add up. Well, I'm going to tell you, we've done the math for all these years, and a lot of it never calculated to be where it needed to be. But amazingly, amazingly, we always survived it. And I want to just encourage you about our church. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to look in the bulletin and see last week was $3,300 and some change. Folks, did you know the church can't survive on $3,300 a week? That's only about $5,000 short for a week's giving. So are we wringing our hands? Are we uh, stressed? Are we worried? No, but it causes us to be on our knees. Caused to be more dependent because God will provide. I can. I can do all things through Christ. It's through Christ. It's through Christ. This is a strong Greek verb. I can do all things. It's, it shows the, the strength of where the source is coming from. Your provision is coming from the Lord. It's through Christ Jesus our Lord. The strength to withstand all things, to endure all things, to whatever the challenge is, health, financial, whatever it is, it, you can do all things through Christ. And it's not that you, you know, get a grip, that you, you know, pull yourself up again by the bootstraps, but it's, I'm able to be sustained because I know the source and the provider of uh, who's given me the power. In fact, through Christ, I looked that up too, through Christ, which strengtheneth me, that word, through Christ, which strengthened me, means to put in, or to put power in. So think about it. The Apostle Paul is saying, I'm going through life. There are days I don't have much. I'm abasing. 
There are days I ha- I'm abounding. I have more than I need. But I can do all things through Christ. I can survive all of it. The ups and downs, the highs and the lows. I can do it because it's through Christ. But it's, He's put His power in me. In other words, He has infused His power in every born-again believer. He's infused. He's put His power in us. He infuses them with His strength to sustain them until they receive the provision that's coming. Many, many, many Christians, you just don't have to look far, have endured great difficulties throughout history. The only explanation, and lost people don't get it. They don't understand it. They just don't understand what's taking place. But people that have absolutely done without, done with so little, in these countries where they literally pray for their meals, a provision every day, milk on the doorstep, provisions that that came unexpectedly, They need to understand that it's Christ who strengthens me. It's Christ Himself in me. He infuses me with Himself, with His grace. He sustains me as I'm going through the difficult times. It is Him, and you can't take any credit for it. You say, I just went through the most difficult time of my life. Guess what? You can't take an ounce of credit. You just can't. Can't say, well, you know, I did this, I did that. Nope. He infused himself. He put himself, his power, his grace in your life. And you went through the challenge, the the greatest challenge of your life, because he was in you. Verse 14. Notwithstanding you have done well, or well done, that you did communicate with my, all my affliction. I tell you, I don't know how many years ago, but it's been a lot of years ago that I discovered the meaning of the word communicate. I first, at the first time you read it, the King James Version, I read it and I thought, man, they had a letter writing campaign to missionaries. Now the word Communicate means to share together. It means sharing, giving, giving gifts. The idea of sharing together to help someone. To help someone in need. You, you, look, look what he said. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. That you gave that you gave when I was afflicted, that you gave, you shared what you had with me. And I had need. I was afflicted. He was expressing his gratefulness once again. He's not being ungrateful. You have well done. You have well done. You've done great that you shared. John MacArthur said it like this. He said... um, The idea is shared to join in a partnership with someone. In other words, you see a need, they're afflicted, they're going through a tremendous trial, and you have an opportunity to give and be a part and help them. 
as they, and it's, it, it is like a partnership. You feel like man, they got through it, but we did it together. We did it as a team. We did it as a church. We did it as a family. Verse 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning... See, this is why the word communicates about giving, sharing, giving and, and helping others financially. But concerning giving and receiving... Giving and receiving. These are accounting terms. These are like business terms. Giving and receiving. Um, but think about what he just wrote. No other church. Here's a missionary. One of the, <laughs> the greatest missionary. And no other church but the church at Philippi. So he, and it had been 10 years since they gave. And so, the giving and receiving, this is like, and I'm not an accountant, wouldn't plan to be, talk to one, we have a couple that are very familiar with counting terms, but it's the idea of giving, receiving, expenditures and receipts. That's, that's the terminology. The Apostle Paul was referring to the records, the records that are being kept. He kept, he was a good record keeper. He knew who had given. He knew who had provided, who had been a participant in the meeting the needs. He, he had detailed record keeping. It was the church at Philippi. The believers, they gave to his need. They gave to the Lord, but it met his need. Now, verse 17 is one of the most exciting verses. When you look at it, and this is, the, this is so, to me, this is kind of like the heart of it all. Not because I desire a gift. The Apostle Paul, again, he's saying, I'm not dependent. I'm, I know the source. God meets my needs. I know how to be a base and abound. I've learned to be content in whatever state I am. So I, I've lear I'm learning that process of how to do with, to have a lot and not have much at all. But my greatest concern is you. That's what he's saying to the, the church of Philippi. My greatest concern is you. Not because I desire a gift. Again, remember what I said earlier. Christians don't need to be walking around with their hand out all the time. Not that I desire a gift, but I desire the fruit that may abound, super increase in your account. So we've got the receiver, and you've got the giver. Paul says, God's doing a great work in me. I've learned how to do without, have a lot, don't have much, back and forth, up and down, better days. <clears throat> but I'm really concerned about you. Because if you don't participate in the giving, you're not going to have any fruit in your account. So church, this is what, this is the, this is the message. And you know, y'all know, if you've been here any length of time, you know I don't preach on, okay. I mean, I've heard stories of people, you know, pass the offering plate and the preacher's standing down there and the offering plate comes in and he looks through the plate and says, ah, not enough, send it out again. You know, ah, not enough, send it out again. 
We'll sing another hymn. We'll sing another verse till the plate's full as it needs to be. We don't even pass a plate. You don't hear many messages on, on money. But I don't think we ought to apologize when the Scripture teaches about giving and receiving. And you know what? I, I would be remiss. I would not be doing my responsibility if I didn't share with you that if you neglect to participate in the giving, tithes, offerings, and special offerings, you are going to come up short one day in heaven. Your account, because guess who else? Paul was a great record keeper. Guess who else is keeping records? God is keeping record of your giving. He's keeping record of your attitude about giving. He's keeping record of your gifts. Compared to what you have, are you giving you know, out of your abundance, like a little tip of the hat out of your abundance, or are you sacrificially giving? And I have to tell you, church, we had a meeting here not many Sundays ago, probably a month now or more, Dale. Dale reported to the elders. Consistently, we're coming up about $1,000 a week short. You know what that affects? That affects missionaries. That affects the opportunity to, to help, try to help others. When you come, I had someone in another meeting said, well, preacher, you need to tell us things like that. We need to know this kind of stuff. Well, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, we all need to know. But the beauty of it is, if we're generous, guess who gets blessed? The giver. In heaven. In heaven, rewards for your good attitude, because God loves a cheerful giver. Your good attitude and your generosity. And it's a sweet, oh, listen, it's an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice. We need to get Pastor Joe sometime to go into all the Old Testament sacrifices and that, what all that means. But I'll just tell you, giving the way God wants us to give, the right way, giving to Him, it is an odor of sweet smell to Him. He loves it. He loves that odor of generosity and giving. Meeting needs, it's acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Now, verse 19, this is key. Verse 19, how many times do we pull this one out and use this one? And, but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We've used that one, don't we? My God shall supply all my need. But in context, in context, get the picture. The Philippian church, I'm just guessing... The way, what I've read, what I've studied, I'm just guessing they probably emptied their bank account and gave. And don't you know, there are probably some members saying, now wait a minute, I don't think we need to give that much. I've heard this, Lord, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. We've, people say that in churches, in country churches. Lord, you keep him humble, and we'll keep him poor. 
Do you know something else? John, you love some of those stories from the past. I know you've referred to the, Do you know that this actually happened in our first pastorate? That they, they're the church now, remember. They're the church that they had their 100-year anniversary. They had 48 preachers in 100 years. When I was there, we were there, my first pastorate, it, they decided, some of them decided, well, it's time for him to go too. You know what? But they didn't have a legitimate reason. But you know what they started doing? And this is a fact. They started designating their ties to the electric bill, the water bill, missions, because they wanted to starve the preacher. They felt like if the funds were cut off, then he'd have to leave. They did That happened in, in our first pastorate. Do you know what God did? God sent in money from other sources outside the church, and we were sustained. They were flabbergasted. They were in awe. How can he still be here? How can he survive? Because money was coming in other ways. My God. So get the picture. And again, its context, its application is there. You've got a need. God says he's going to meet it, but he's going to meet it with Jesus Christ. He's the, he's the one he's going to meet it. But get the picture in context. They had, he's talking about the gift that, he, that they had given he wanted fruit to account to their, to go to their record, to their account. Kept in heaven, and then there'd be rewards for that later on. And so, I really believe they had given a lot. Probably just about all of their resources they gave away. And the Apostle Paul says, but my God... So, you know, get the picture. Some are saying, we just can't afford this. We just can't afford this. And by the way, may I say this? I've had people, we've been here about to be 36 years, right? 35, 35 years, 35 years. I've had numerous people say, you mean y'all operate with no, y'all don't have a budget? May I just say, the church is not a business. You don't operate. And I know some of you are going to say, oh, I just can't. I can't handle this. But you don't operate the church like a business. <clears throat> it's a ministry where sometimes the giving away doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense. Like good worldly business sense. <clears throat> but it produces spiritual fruit. Because my God shall supply all your need according to his riches, according to his riches, endless, endless resources, the well that never runs dry. Listen, God owns it all. He's made it all. Who are we to think that we're going to run out or God's going to run out? Over and over and over and over, God is going to supply your need. May not be the... Cadillac, no offense, but he's going to supply your need. And so you can empty your bank account. Now, some of them are going to say, see, I, he's getting around to it. He's telling, and it's going to be on Facebook and, 
and it's going to spread to all those anti-North Belters and all, and they're going to say, see, he's telling everybody to empty their checkbooks and give to the Lord. Now, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, but if you did, the Word of God is saying, my, but my God will supply all your need. We can't outgive God. So church, we've entered into a 40 days, started last week, 40 days of giving. <clears throat> that means you don't neglect your tithe, you continue to do your tithe, but over and above your tithe, you try to give as the Lord leads so that we can distribute to some of these that are having some medical issues and different things that are going on in their lives. They have needs. And it's up to, it's not the government, listen, we need to get out of this mindset, and that's what's so sad about some of the views out there. You know, the government's supposed to provide all this. No, I'm going to tell you, in a, in a spiritual world, it's the church. The church ministers. So there are needs in the body. The elders are becoming aware of more and more needs, and we're praying for God's wisdom to know how to direct these funds. So this is your opportunity, according to the Word of God, to do whatever the Lord leads you to do to help relieve some of the financial pressures in the lives of people. And they're going through it. Some may never, ever get out of the financial problems that they, they've incurred, ever. They may never get out of it. But this is our part. This is our opportunity for us to be a part of it, to give for 40 days as the Lord leads each one. And, and I would just have to say, and, I, and I've thought about this, and Dale, I'm not certainly not picking on you by any means. You know how much I love you and your family. But I do cringe, and I do, I do hate that the money counters and the elders, I've told the elders, they've heard me say this. I, I hate that the money counters and the, and the treasurer is so privileged to so much of what is really private. It's... It, it's very, it's got to be very hard. It's got to be very hard an assignment that God has given to see who does and who doesn't and how much and, not, and calculate and all that. That could be a, a big challenge. So <clears throat> all I can say is this. There's nothing wrong with giving anonymously cash to somebody even though you don't get a tax deduction. It's okay to give like that. Doesn't hurt a thing. And you say, but I won't get a tax deduction. Oh, but in heaven, there'll be fruit to your account. To me, I'd rather have that than a tax deduction. Amen? So this is our opportunity. Started last Sunday, 40 days. Our accounts, God's keeping record. God's keeping track. He knows your situation, whether you lack opportunity or not. He knows where you are. He knows what your resources are. But he knows that you are doing the very best you can do with what you have. And let me just remind you once again, and y'all all know this, but the tithe keeps the lights on. The tithe keeps the air conditioner on. <clears throat> the tithe goes to missionaries, salaries. And we try very hard not to be extravagant in any way. But that's what the tithe is about. 
So don't get the idea that, you know, well, I don't like what's going on, so I'm going to stop tithing. No, you're going to be the one suffering from that. You're going to suffer from that. You're give, you should be given to the Lord. You should be given directly to the Lord and letting Him deal with the other issues. And so I would just encourage you, let's pray. Let's use this invitation time to pray and just ask the Lord, Lord, I, had, I walked in here not thinking about this, not anticipating, but now I've heard the receiver is going to have abundance and a, and a base, good days and bad days, plenty and not so much, hungry and full, but the giver is building up spiritual fruit that are going to mean, it'll mean rewards in heaven one day for your generous giving your good attitude toward giving and god knows it may not show up on the ledger of the donations at the church but god knows if you gave it away directly to somebody he knows that he knows that and there's nothing wrong at all with giving that way so the lord gave the greatest gift he's given everything Life is short. We are just passing through. We're pilgrims passing through. And as you've heard so many people say, store it up, store it up, store it up. You can't take it with you. Allow the Lord to minister to others. And the, and the elders promise you, we will pray. If you have ideas, if you have thoughts, you have suggestions, bring them to the elders. We want to hear them about how this money could bless somebody and encourage somebody. Somebody we might not even be aware of. We might not even know about. So let's pray. Let's spend some serious time in prayer. And let's go to the Lord and let him direct us. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the opportunity to be here together. <clears throat> and we ask you to to just do a great work in our hearts and in our minds. And Lord, we pray that we'd respond, that we'd be more than just hearers of the word. We'd take action today. We'd see your hand in a mighty way, accomplish what you want to accomplish. And I pray that in the end, those that receive the gifts would just rejoice in you, be grateful that it came from you, not from North Bell or not from the church, but it came directly from you as a provision from you. So we trust you, Father, to accomplish your will, bring glory to yourself, and we'll be careful to praise you throughout eternity. We pray for those that might need to be saved today before it's too late, that they'd give their heart and life to, to the Lord Jesus Christ and believe on him and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.